Hi, and welcome to Adopted Feels, a podcast about anything and everything adoption related. Before we start, we'd like to give a shout out to our latest new patron, Mindy. Because of the support from listeners like you, we're able to do things like cover our podcast hosting fees and give our guests a modest speaker fee for their time. Thank you so much, Mindy. Okay, in this episode, recorded back on Easter Sunday, Ryan and I catch up over Zoom for a casual convo about work-life balance, boundaries, and asserting your needs, things that we basically find hard. (laughs) We currently find ourselves in very different situations. Ryan has too much work to do, and I have too little at times. And life in Melbourne is almost back to normal, yes, really, while COVID enters its fourth wave here in Seoul. We also discuss what we've been watching during the pandemic, and I present Hannah with an interesting and, in my mind, compelling proposition. Warning, this episode contains at least one slow COVID foggy brain and about 60% laughter. We recommend pairing with washing the dishes or your 5 p.m. nachos and wine happy hour. So you've been getting up at 4.30. Just for the last couple of weeks for this... um online autobiographical writing class thing oh how's it yeah, going? yeah it's going really well um it's actually specifically for adoptees and um it's nice I feel really like safe and validated in the space mm. because um actually recently I signed up for this other writing workshop um facilitated by a Melbourne teacher yeah, it was an online thing. And um, so it was over Zoom and um, I realized like when I saw all the other participants that I was one of the only people of color. Yeah, so it was kind of mostly middle-aged white women. And I actually felt kind of um, just from that first week, I felt a little bit too vulnerable to be like sharing personal writing like on themes of like like adoption and race and culture yeah in that space at this particular stage of my uh life right Mm. yeah so I kind of had like a little um I know I I kind of freaked out and withdrew from the course Mm. and then um yeah tried to find like a specific transracial adoptee space which is uh I guess I'm kind of lucky that I was able to find one but yeah that's so cool do they do like instructions or like writing exercises or is it like you write and then you bring your work to the meetings you get a prompt each week and then oh. we bring it to, um to share with the group the following week oh wow that does sound pretty scary <laughs> pretty scary <laughs> I don't know. It was kind of like a really good lesson in like realizing, you know, growing up, I didn't have like control over um, the, the kinds of spaces I was in, you know, and I think I just kind of like put up with a lot of circumstances and um, made myself fit different situations and different um, groups. Mm. And I feel like part of my... Um, healing to use that word is to realize that like I have a choice and so now as an adult I can say like actually I don't feel comfortable in this situation or this space for whatever reason and I don't even have to like be able to like fully put it into words yeah but I choose to like 
remove myself and like find something that feels better. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. I think that's a really like powerful and healthy realization to come to and then to act on it. I feel like that's, that, um, yeah, that would, it would take a lot to, I don't know. Yeah. Come to that understanding. I mean, I agonized over it to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Oh, I should About just like stick with it. Oh. Yeah. I was like, Oh, I've already paid for it. And like, what's the instructor going to think and how am I going to explain myself and how am I going to like word the email and Aww. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was really helpful actually um, to talk it through with uh, some other like adoptee friends and um, one friend even like uh, looked at my email draft, <laughs> which was lovely before I sent it. Because it was like actually my first time kind of saying this is how I feel and this is what I need, like based on my experience as as a woman of color and an adoptee. Mm. Um, and I knew that this person wouldn't necessarily like personally relate. And I don't know. So that even that in itself felt really um, vulnerable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The way, the way you just said it, it's so um... – it's so simple, but it's so difficult. What, like, what did you say? You said, um, this is what I feel and this is what I need. I feel like <laughs> that's really hard to articulate. Like, even just to, like, come to your own understanding of, of what those two things are and then to communicate that to someone else. Yeah, also, I guess, worrying about how you'll be perceived or if that person will feel hurt or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah actually, I mean... Full disclosure, I also had, like, a conversation about it with my therapist. So it, like, kind of, like, took, like, a whole lot of, like, reflection and various conversations to to make this decision and get to this point. Um, and I think I said to her, like, oh, of course, you know, I could, I could just kind of stick with it and um, choose not to, like, really comment so much or, like, disclose much of my personal experience and she said yes but like is that really the experience you want to have mm. like it is and so I don't know even that seemed like a, this novel question like well <laughs> that, yeah like yes I could do that but is that I mean in, I guess in in any situation is that really the experience that you want to have like that's what you could you can that's what's offered but mm. yeah Oh, that seems like a nice process that you went through. <laughs> I mean, I wonder if, I don't know, maybe there are other people like this all kind of comes naturally and easily. But anyway, it's a... Uh... That's so cool. Good job. <laughs> to backtrack a little bit, uh, how have you been? And um, how's it going in Melbourne? Because I understand that you don't even have to wear masks anymore in Melbourne. Like, what does that feel like basically being back to normal or like 95% normal? <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll start with, I'll start with COVID. Um, to be honest, I don't know if I've taken full advantage of the end of lockdown. Like, sadly, I think my life doesn't look 
that different. <laughs> um, I mean, when stage four was was happening, of course, that was very extreme. But otherwise, like, I mean, I'm still working from home. Um, I've been able to go into uni a few times a week, so that's kind of new. But my teaching is still all online, and that won't change. I'm able to go to the gym. Yeah, so I mean, things that those kind of like more like weekly routines and stuff are starting to come back. So that's, so that's good. But um, yeah, <laughs> I don't have a very exciting um, outdoor life. <laughs> so it's... Uh, <laughs> Is it kind of because like you're an introvert, so you were like both less affected by <laughs> like lockdown and, and you don't so much notice the difference like when it's lifted? I don't know. <laughs> Look, I think it was like quite a gradual end to the lockdown and so like, okay okay you know for me it's like you can have you know we go from having 10 people in your house to 30 people in your house I mean like let's face it when do I have 30 more than 10 people in my house anyway you know like <laughs> like those numbers kind of mean nothing to me <laughs> which is maybe kind of sad um and it's the same thing with like outdoor gatherings like oh now you can have 100 instead of 50 it's like well great where am I going to find 100 friends you know like <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, so I feel like because of that, um, I haven't really noticed as much when these incremental, like, relaxations have come in. Right. How about you in Korea? Things are kind of the same. It feels like um, life's in a bit of a, a holding pattern. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I also feel like I have, like, a generally, like, foggy COVID brain, like, these days. <laughs> Um, I've been working from home since December and I, I'm just working from home indefinitely, apparently. Uh, that, that's like the latest from my um, company. Yeah. Um, we have a 10 p.m. curfew in Seoul, which is like not, um, I don't know, like I guess that's not too bad, but, um, but we can only meet in groups of four people or less at the moment. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, life's not super exciting. I uh, <laughs> I cut my hair. Uh, I bought some light-coloured jeans. <laughs> <laughs> McDonald's um, in Korea finally, like, they brought back the fillet of fish, which is oh. like, <laughs> I mean, I know you're a vegetarian, but it's like <laughs> – um, after 13 years, 13 they brought years. back the fish burger. Yes. Why did they bring it back? Um, I guess like some like expats and stuff like requested it. I'm not really sure. I mean, they took it away cause it wasn't selling. And I actually, <laughs> I wonder if it was this kind of like, uh, it probably wasn't, it was probably like a monetary decision, but I feel like it was like a nice thing for, um, expats and foreigners who are like stuck here and maybe feeling homesick yeah it was to me at least um (laughs) so they're like it's our civic duty to bring back the filet fish yeah i don't and um is it good look it's not it's not (laughs) for me it's just more like this childhood nostalgia so like when i was a kid and i went to mcdonald's I was like the weird kid who didn't order like chicken nuggets or a cheeseburger or something. I would order the fillet of fish. You've always been gourmet. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, and it's not something like uh, in Korea. There's this like uh, Facebook group called Restaurant Buzz Soul where people post like restaurant reviews and and people get kind of like all um, like pseudo food critic about it and. People were like commenting on it, like, "Oh, I think it was a little bit under seasoned," or like, "Oh, it seems to be like light on the tartar sauce and like smaller than I remember." And it's like, I, I don't care about that. It's like it's like McDonald's, you know. Like you can you can give it a pass. I think like I, mean, <laughs> I don't expect it to be perfectly seasoned, um, or whatever. Uh, but yeah. Anyway. It was nice because it tastes exactly like I remember it from Australia, mm. and yeah, and I would know because my parents live like right across the road from McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so that was a little highlight of my, <laughs> my Easter weekend. <laughs> oh, so it anyway. just it was just reintroduced. Yes. So tell me how. <laughs> How did you find out that it was introduced? Like, how did you become alerted to this development? Well, actually, Blossom, yeah, our adoptee friend who also lives here, um, she saw it on on social media. I guess she she follows McDonald's career. <laughs> uh, yeah, so she circulated it. Um, I thought you were going to out yourself as being one of the uh, expats that were writing to McDonald's requesting... Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. I imagine just going back to working from home. I mean, I feel like I struggle and my apartment has doors and rooms mm. and yours. Like I struggle to figure out how to demarcate space in my house so that there's some part of the house that is not work affected mm. how do you do that yeah well that's a good question so, <laughs> um yeah so I live in a one-room studio apartment in Korea it's like I guess it's a large one-room apartment that yeah still one room four main walls um I have invested in um a standing desk a motorized oh. standing desk yeah I kind of like bit the bullet and yeah. And I've positioned it in like one corner of my apartment. And then I installed this like Ikea curtain to, to cover the desk area. I like to like draw the curtain over at night and um, like all weekend preferably. That's so smart. And then I think it also helps like if I um, try to stand up uh, – uh, while I'm working or at least sometimes while I'm working. And so then when I like sit down to eat lunch or like take a break or something, it feels like more of a, um, a demarcation from, I don't know, just like from standing up to sitting down. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I have these like little zones in my apartment, but they're all like one to two meters apart. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I, it's like I'm, I force myself to like I, I must leave the apartment every day and like, yeah, you know, <laughs> because otherwise like my whole life gets like very small. It's like just revolving around this like one little space, yeah. um, which I think was like driving me a bit insane 
last year. Yeah. I don't know. I've like somewhat gotten used to it. Yeah. I also realized I'm like, okay, so I'm probably not going to be working from home forever. Uh, this is like, you know, a unique situation. And so I'm just going to try and like make the most of it. Because uh-huh. I was also like feeling guilty when I would be at home and I wouldn't like necessarily have a lot of work to do. And I was like, okay, so like, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to just, I don't know, sit here staring at my computer? I, uh, yeah. You know, that feeling of like, I don't know if it's because I was raised Catholic, but like work guilt, you know, mm-hmm. like just, but again, with the help of my lovely therapist, I kind of like reframed that. And I was like, you know what? I'm just, I'm kind of like, a writing and editing security guard. And so I'm <laughs> wait, 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 what? <laughs> I lost you know, you. I'm just I'm just kind of I'm kind of a bit like a security guard and I'm just like paid to be on call and when I don't necessarily like have deadlines or stuff to do, I'm just going to um I'm not gonna feel guilty about it all. I'm just gonna kind of enjoy it and like make some granola or something. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> because I was kind of like grappling a little bit with it internally yeah um you're a bouncer uh yeah I kind of treat it like it's a job and uh and and that's all right now it's kind of like a day job Mm. and um and I think of it in that way and Mm. and that helps I guess speaking of like um switching off and like boundaries uh I don't know do you I feel like you used to be pretty good at that like um or at least like on the weekends like dedicating time to (laughs) (laughs) to other things yeah right um I don't know have you ever been good at that has it ever been a priority uh I feel like since my experience doing a PhD, I've been very, I've, I really struggle to take time off. Like mm-hmm. I'll take time off, but like actually mentally let go. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because I think there's just that constant guilt about not working or not working enough mm-hmm. or what I should be spending my time doing or reading. And I feel like that's just really like drilled into your head when you're, when you're going through a PhD and I don't, I, I think it's really hard to like shed that. And so I, I think I still carry a lot of that. And I know it's like all, it's all just this fucked up, like pressure to be productive all the time, you know, like, and rationally, I, I know that it's fucked <laughs> and I know that I should counter it, but it's hard, you know, like, I guess to give yourself permission to just really take a break and to mm-hmm. really relax. I struggle with that. I mean, ultimately, like, do you, do you believe that um, taking time off and uh, honouring your boundaries and getting enough rest and whatnot, like, do you, ultimately, do you believe that that will actually, like, help you to be more productive um, and make better work in the long run? Or, or is part of you kind of like, well, actually, like, the way to get more done is just to like keep working well I think that's the trap right like what you just described is still in the service of productivity right if, if I should take a 
break only because in the long run, it'll make me more productive. I don't know. I don't feel like that should be the reason to take a break. You know what I mean? Like, like that shouldn't be the only justification for, for giving myself time to relax because I believe that it'll in the long run make me more productive. <laughs> um, I do, I do, do believe that though, but I, I think that's also hard to like detrain, right? Like I deserve a break cause I deserve a break, right? It's not mm-hmm. that I deserve a break cause it'll make me perform better. Everyone deserves a break, you know? So it's just like, you get caught in that cycle. <laughs> yeah. I had a counselor once ask, what kind of person would you be if you didn't work? Mm-hmm. Um, or some, something like that. And um, when she posed that question to me, I feel like that it kind of shifted things slightly at the time, like the amount of pressure that I think is coming from the outside. It's also coming from myself. And like to have that imagine, like to just play with this idea of like, is it because my, my identity is so wrapped up in what I do and what I produce? Um, is that what's causing the pressure? And I need to like separate myself <laughs> from work or, you know, other, other ways that I show that I'm doing things or like, you know, putting things out there. Do you also like, um, I don't know, do you ever get burnt out? And do you like notice the signs and symptoms of that? Like when, you, when you're getting close to that? Yeah, I think I've been a bit burnt out the last couple months. And I think I'm becoming better at noticing the warning signs like mm-hmm. my my stomach will get like I'll feel hungry but then when I eat I can't eat very much mm. and then it just feels like kind of knotted like my appetite gets gets a bit strange so that's like a pretty big one and then like yeah disrupted sleep I guess mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so they're two I guess quite bodily signs and then I just yeah have to kind of cool it for like the next week so what does that mean, though, in, like, really concrete terms? Oh, I just, like, pare back what I expect of myself each day. Okay. So I'll just, like, give myself fewer tasks. Or, I mean, it's, like, part of the industry, right? It's, like, I have to constantly be applying for things because my job is so insecure. Um, mm-hmm. So I work, like, huge hours or I work through multiple weekends to try and get, like, a mm-hmm. job application done. And sometimes it can feel like those deadlines are all at the same time. And then I'm like, well, I have no choice. It needs to be done. So I'll just like, just have to work. Like pull these like really, really long hours. Thankfully, like usually after that, I'll have a couple weeks where I can just like, okay, like, you know, (laughs) catch up on sleep, start going back to the gym, doing these things that like, I know I need to do kind of every day or every other day, but that just kind of get thrown to the wayside when I have these like impending like deadlines. So um, it's not good. Like I know it's, it's a really bad cycle to get stuck in. Mm. I find, I don't know me personally, you know, that, that that's like a really de- kind of just depressing space to be in though. Um, <laughs> right. You know, it's hard. Like it's where you just like, you don't really like quite feel like yourself. You feel like some kind of like hollowed out husk, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, yes. 
but I think I guess like both the uh, like teaching and academia um, are probably like no notorious for uh, for having high levels of burnout and um, yeah, like a lot of unpaid overtime kind of work. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's something that I have been thinking a lot about. Like, where are other spaces that I could work where I could still do what I I like and that I've been trained to do um, and that will still keep me curious and interested that that isn't this like hyper exploitative industry um, I mean sometimes I look at like people that are you know more senior than me and and I'm like oh is is like is that the life I want like you know I mm -hmm. hear about the stuff that they go through or I had a friend whose partner would literally not be able to get out of bed at least once a month because it just would, he would just crash at least once a month. Mm. And it's like, oh, is that like the coveted academic dream to get a job? And that's what having that job looks like. Oh my gosh. Like, this is like, why am I chasing, <laughs> chasing after something? You know, I should question a question if it's what I really want. And also like, what we want to do slash what the reality of the conditions of that industry are. It's like really hard to like, yeah, and negotiate both and kind of be realistic about both. So yeah, ongoing existential crisis, Hannah. Hollowed out husk. Yes, I feel that. <laughs> this is really random, but have you seen The Good Place? No, I think I've watched like one episode. It's okay. a philosophy. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a comedy, but um, just because like do you like it? I don't. Yeah, no, I I liked it. Um, it's you can like kind of binge all four seasons pretty quickly, I'd say, and mm. it's like it's the kind of thing you can you can also kind of watch it like while you're doing something else. It, it doesn't require like hundred percent of your attention, but um, I was just gonna say like I was wondering if anyone has <laughs> told you. Um, I hope this doesn't sound reductive or insulting, that <laughs> you, um, you remind them of Chidi, one of the characters. He's um, a moral philosopher, a moral philosophy professor. And um, <laughs> go on, I'm so interested in what you have to say. <laughs> well, he's a really adorable character. And um, he also happens to be like, not that you're like super indecisive, but he's he's kind of indecisive because it's like he easily sees like the the moral dilemmas in situations, um, and he's you know he's been trained to like think thoroughly about like all sides of a situation, right? And um, and then like when he gets kind of <laughs> nervous or indecisive, he like gets a sore stomach and. Um, <laughs> And also there's this one scene where he is in his idea of heaven and he oh, says no. it's literally a room with just like heaps of books and a toilet. <laughs> I just wondered if you'd seen it and it's like oh, you related to him. Heaps of books and a toilet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <sighs> you're I'm, not that you don't know how to like have fun, and you know you do a lot of other 
you have quite a <laughs> full and <laughs> diverse life. <laughs> Thanks, Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Oh my gosh, I have to look. Okay, I have to look up this character for sure. Um, on that topic, uh, topic of TV shows and movies, have you been watching anything lately that you want to talk about? Um, uh, not, not really. Nothing super noteworthy. I, um, I feel like during the pandemic, I, I kind of tended to go for like more like comfort viewing <laughs> um like there's things that were kind of like easy to yeah easy to watch and like kind of somewhat like light-hearted um mm. uh a little bit mindless but but not too mindless yeah <laughs> okay so, <laughs> like like um i started watching i don't know if this will just make you cringe uh th- this series called like virgin river on netflix which was like um it's kind of like it's set in this like small town in really picturesque area of like Northern California or something. And it's um, a romantic drama and it's really sentimental. But, um, but I realized at some point it was kind of like really comforting and easy to watch and like full of like these kind of wholesome characters. But I was just like, it, it dawned on me that this is like really boring and actually quite slow. <laughs> and so it was like, I was too comfortable, you know? Right. Yeah. I feel like I've also watched slightly different things during COVID as well. I really loved Schitt's Creek. I thought it was just a beautiful, brilliant show that, yeah, was very easy to watch mm. and very uh-huh. lighthearted and fun. Um, I also <laughs> <laughs> embarrassingly kind of got into the Masked Singer Australia. The, the Masked Singer Yes. Okay. So basically they get these like Australian celebrities to dress up in these like quite, I mean, their, their costumes are pretty amazing, like ornate, you know, and then they sing (laughs) and the judging panel, like one gets eliminated each week and they have to like unmask. And then the winner, I don't even know what the winner gets, but like the, the, the masked singer that gets all the way to the end wins. Right. So you can't see who they are. No, you can't see who they are. Anyways, it's totally frivolous and totally stupid, but I kind of got into that. I think this was when my internet was really struggling before we got the NBN, so I had to, like, watch network television. (laughs) And it was, like, on at, like, 7 o'clock every night or something. Oh, on the topic of reality TV shows. Uh So, I have a couple questions for you. Oh, sure, yeah. Are you good at directions? Uh, you mean like The Amazing Race or something? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've, I've decided, and actually it's also been kind of like insinuated to me that I would be probably a poor Amazing Race partner. <gasps> Who dares? <laughs> Who dares say that? <laughs> because... I'm easily distracted and I have poor time management. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's fair. I guess. Um, Who? Uh, 
See, this seems quite mean. Like, instead of someone being like, let's go on and you'd be a great partner, someone has actually just told you you'd be a shit <laughs> partner. <laughs> well, so it was because um, I invited, like, some friends over for dinner. Um, only three friends, like, as per, you know, COVID restrictions. And... Um, like, when they arrived, I was like, I'm sorry, I'm behind. I'm, like, only just getting dinner on. And um, it was supposed to be, like, this vegetarian chili. And I was like, oh, actually, I've never really made this before. And then I um, went to open, like, these cans of beans and I realized that um, they didn't have, like, a, a ring pull top <laughs> and I didn't have a can opener. And I was like, it was that night that um, – so- <laughs> <laughs> Two of my friends actually like managed to somehow like pry the the tops off the cans using these like mini IKEA tools. <laughs> somehow, <laughs> um, it was based on that night. They, I think, for each other, they were like, "You would be a great, amazing race partner," and <laughs> Hannah, not so much. Ah, <laughs> I actually haven't watched much of that show ever. Me neither, but that's another show that I've been watching under COVID. And um, so my partner loves this show. She uh-huh. loves it. But she won't jump out of a plane. And she says that almost <gasps> every single, like, there will be a challenge where you have to jump out of a plane. Oh, yeah. Um, almost shit. every season. So my partner and I talked about it. And uh-huh. she feels okay with me asking you. Okay. <laughs> if you would jump out of the plane. Uh, uh-huh. And so here's the other thing. She's like, mm-hmm. she's really good at like nutting out these things. She's like, to get on The Amazing Race, you need to have a hook. Like you need to have a story where like you make sense as a duo. Yeah. And we could be like adoptee podcasters. Yeah. I mean, that's so like, weird. We People will be like, What? What are transracial adoptee podcasters? Like, what the hell is that? (laughs) What are taps? Yeah. (laughs) Well, look, I think there's a few ways that we can market Uh it. Yeah. Okay. Um, So, so, well, I guess, like, I am a little afraid of heights, but I suppose that I could jump out of a plane if, like, I really had to. Um, <laughs> what other, like, scary shit do you usually have to do? Oh, I don't know. The challenges were also diverse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, I think there are definitely things with, like, involving heights. And the one I just watched because of COVID, it's just Australia. Yeah. Um, I don't know. They had to do things like swim out in this, like, pond to grab a clue from this, like, little island thing in the middle of a pond and, like, watch out, there's crocodiles. <gasps> or, um, but then I think they had one where you had to, like, fly a drone through some, like, multicolored circles. So it's just, like, really random. And then there's, like, eating challenges, which probably I'd be, like, shithouse at. Like, I to think, eat weird things. I don't know if they're weird, but, like, one of the challenges was to eat, like, a hundred oysters as a duo. Oh, Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can, I can that. that sounds pretty nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then they had vegans 
on the last season and they refused. Anyways, so much drama. Mm. Um, but yeah, let, let's think about like our different skill sets. The problem is I'm terrible at directions as well. So we might not fare so well. What do you mean? Taking directions or like... No, like navigating. Oh, you mean like, okay, like a sense of direction. Yeah. Are you oh, that? right, right. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Is M good at that? Oh, she's so good. It's just the jumping out of the plane spanner. I guess it would be good for like transracial adoptee representation or something. Um, an alternative to um, Kevin from Bling Empire, yeah. <laughs> With, uh, yeah, less less abs and nudity. Yeah. Yes, I think our amazing race <laughs> adoptee representation would involve less abs and nudity <laughs> than Bling Empire. I think that's a fair call. Three final things before we finish. One, we'll be back soon with more serious and substantial content if that's your thing, we promise. Two, for the record, we did enjoy the episodes of Bling Empire that we managed to get through, and we're grateful for Kevin Crider bringing Korean adoptee stories into mainstream media. We also appreciated his 2019 documentary, The Ugly Model, a very honest examination of Asian masculinity in America. Three, we have a plug Next week on Monday, April 26th at 6.30pm Eastern Time, that's Tuesday morning in Korea and Australia, Ryan will feature in a panel event with three other transgender adoptees in which panellists will discuss the complexities of being both adopted and trans. This has been put together by also known as the New York-based adult adoptee organisation who have been offering amazing programs and events since 1996. You can register and join us on Zoom by going to their website, which is also known as .org, or by following the links on our social media. Plus, look out for an upcoming Adopted Feels episode featuring a recording of that discussion. <laughs>